discussed that uh, there were really uh, several scriptures in the Bible concerning marriage, but that there were very few um, specifics, or at least that's how it felt to me as I was a young married woman looking for answers in the Bible. Well, actually, when I was really young married, it was about seven years of after I was married before I looked for anything in the Bible. Actually, when we got filled with the Holy Ghost in 1980, I began to look for everything in the Bible. And uh, <clears throat> and as I looked for answers and marriage things, uh, and because that was something that I was uh, very interested in, I, it didn't seem like I got the specifics from the Word of God you know, that I was really wanting and really looking for. And maybe you felt the same way. But last week we found out that one that God really didn't have to give us any specifics because He summed it up. And He summed it up in Ephesians chapter 5, verse, uh, verse 21. And while you're turning there, you know, it's not the only time God did that. Uh, God, uh, He did that in the New Covenant. He summed up all the Ten Commandments and all the commandments of the Old Covenant. He summed them up into one commandment, didn't He? And that's the love commandment. And so He didn't go into great detail about what that what we were to do. He just said, well, it's just all got to fall under the love commandment. And if it's not love, it's not right. Hallelujah. And so that's how he did with marriage. He just summed it up. And in Ephesians 5, verse 21, we'll start there. It says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. And so here, uh, God really summed it all up. And here's how the summary goes, is that the husband is to be to, towards the wife as Christ is to the church. And so he said, you can find out everything you need to know about how you're to treat your wife and how you're to be in the marriage, husbands, just by looking at how Christ treats the church. And then he turned around and said, and wives, you are to treat your husband as the church treats Christ or is supposed to treat Christ. And, uh, and so you can sum up everything you need to know about being the wife is you can just ask yourself the question, is that how the church should teach, should treat, should treat Christ and, uh, and you're going to come out all right. Uh, so, so really I noticed in those verses that really there was, uh, <clears throat> 
there were really three main things in those verses that he said to husbands. And, and he likened it to the church. Lead, he used the word lead. We know Christ leads the church. And that the Savior of the body, and that he loved his wife. That the husband loved his wife. And then in wives, I saw that there were three main things that he said. He said to be subject. He said to reverence. And he said to submit. So really you could sum it up in three main words. Now last week, um, when we were, we, we ended last week talking about how Christ treats the church and, 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 um, and, and talking to husbands. And we kind of came to about eight things that, eight main things that the way that the, that the Christ treats the church. And we saw that Christ loves the church. And we know from these scriptures that the husband is to love the wife. We saw and decided that Christ is always faithful to the church. In fact, in 2 Timothy 2.13, it says, even if we believe not, he abideth faithful. So even if we were unfaithful, Christ would always be faithful to the church. And so a husband is to be faithful to his wife. We saw that Christ always is a comfort to the church, a comfort and an encourager. And so uh, that would be a quality that husbands were to be for the wife. We know that Christ always desires and 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 He takes every opportunity to spend time with the church. You know, He said when just two or more gather together, He'd be there in the midst of him. them. His presence would come. And so a husband should want to spend time with his wife and he should take extra care to make sure that he does spend time with his wife. We saw that Christ... Um, leads the church. Um, <clears throat> and uh, the Bible says that that um, it says that God builds His church, Christ, God builds the church, or Christ builds the church, and that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And so the husband is to lead the wife, and that, that includes... Uh, Causing her, her and their, and their family to be built up, and and there's a protection even in that that the husband protects the wife just because because the Bible says Christ protects the church against the gates of hell, uh, and then merciful Christ is always merciful to the church. The Bible says that God delights in mercy. Sometimes we think God delights in judgment, but that's not true. God delights in mercy. Hallelujah. He likes to be good. He likes to you know, and so sometimes uh, so the husband should delight in mercy. He should always tend to the mercy side where the wife is concerned. Uh, uh, and, and you know, there are some times that a husband has to put his foot down. I know pastor a couple of times has had to put his foot down with me where his leading the family is concerned. And one time had to do with us. Uh, it was a really kind of a major deal because um, we were in, we had gotten baptized in the Holy Ghost in 1980 and we got the left foot of fellowship from the Baptist and, uh, or at least threatened with it. So we left real quick before they could actually follow through because we were baptized in the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues and we should leave. I mean, you know, they don't want that. So the right thing to do was leave. And so we went out among the Pentecostals into the Assembly of God church, but then, um, through a very supernatural, actually through an angelic happening, we found out that they were starting a Word of Faith church, which was what we were really hungry and interested in because we'd gotten hooked on to Brother Hagen's teachings, Brother Copeland's teachings. That was back in uh, 19... Um, that was 1981. And uh, <clears throat> so we had gotten hooked on to that 
And so they, through supernatural, I don't have time to explain it, events, we found out about this church that was going to start in Seminole, which was 18 miles away. So uh, we were real excited, and so we went to that church. Well, they it was the very first Sunday of it, and they said tonight, this afternoon, we're having a meeting to kind of get the church started. And, and uh, so I think we went a couple of Sundays, but about the third Sunday, because see, I got the impression, which was really a lie from the devil, that everybody else there knew each other, which they didn't, I found out later. But I thought, you know, we're the only ones from Seagraves, and we were, and we're the only ones that don't know everybody else. And I was eight months pregnant, you know, and you just like you walk, you just feel conspicuous anyway when you're eight months pregnant and with Eric. I was pregnant with Eric. And I, um, so... I said, well, you know, I don't want to go. And so I began to resist him about going. Well, he had to take his authority and he had to say, get in the car, we're going until I hear from God. And that's what he, so, so sometimes, you know, it is, it's right to stand up. And that was the right thing to do. And sure enough, within a year of that, we were the pastors of the church. So, uh, pastor had to hear from God and, 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 uh, but, but you know, uh, the, as a general rule, you should tend towards mercy. Number seven, Christ takes care of the church, supplies all of our needs. And so the husband should be about seeing about the need. That doesn't mean that the wife can't work or anything, but the husband should, should really have a desire to supply the needs of his wife and the needs of his family. And he should be doing all that's within his power. And I realize that some women are demanding more than any human man could do, but, uh, but that should still be that should be at the forefront of his desires. Number eight, uh, Christ always wants to bless the church and every husband should want to bless his wife and he should take effort to learn how to do that. We went into more detail about that last week and we talked about talking with her about it and stuff and uh, the Bible says in Timothy, we won't turn there, but it says that the husband is to dwell with the wife according to knowledge and so he should be well informed about women's issues. He's got to dwell according to knowledge. He needs to know about women's issues. And he may have to check him out a book out of the library and learn about these things. Uh, if his mama didn't teach him or his daddy didn't teach him, he should understand how a, women, a woman functions uh, in her body and how she functions in her brain. Uh, and, um, and, and you know, most men just going to say, who could understand a woman? Well, I can't. Bless God, I ain't even going to try. You know, and that's how most men's attitudes are. But the truth is, you can learn. You might have to read. You might have to research. Uh, but you can learn, and you can learn some specific things about your wife. Now, how many of you this week know your wife's favorite color? And how some of you just don't catch on easy, do you? <laughs> Hallelujah. So uh, praise God. You're supposed to, by next week, if you hadn't learned that, we're going to send you to the, to the, uh, to, and put the dunce cap on you, okay? Uh, okay. Um, so now let's talk tonight about the church. Uh, I mean, about the church. Uh, how the church is supposed to treat Christ, and that would be how wives are supposed to treat their husbands. Hallelujah. So, you know, and if you're not married, you may need this someday. 
if you're not married, you may have nieces, nephews, uh, sons and daughters that you need to teach these things to, that you can help them with. Or maybe, you know, uh, the Nodines have a constant ministry to college-age kids, so they could have lots of opportunities to put these things about marriage in those college-age kids. Um, uh, <coughs> praise God. So in uh, verse 33 there, it says... Uh, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife. And then it says, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now that word reverence is 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 the, like we talk about reverence, reverencing Christ or reverencing Jesus all the time. And it means to be in awe. And so wives, you're to be in awe of your husband. Did you know that that, that word is actually phobio? And it comes the root, the same word we get phobia from. So this is not talking about a light kind of reverence. It's talking about a very strong respect to the point of fearing. But yet this man treats us so nice, we don't fear him. We're not fearing that he's going to hit us or fearing that he's not going to be merciful to us. But it's such a strong respect that we we have an awe, we have a reverence, we have a we have a a respectful fear, not of the man, but of the office that he stands in. Because a husband stands in an office. Every person that's in authority is standing in an office. The President of the United States is standing in an office. And once somebody taught us when we first got filled with the Spirit, because there was a man, there was a, um, there was a particular minister that there was all sorts of issues going on. And uh, he said something to us. He said, if you can't honor the man, honor the office. Now, it's the best scenario is for you to be able to honor the man and the office, okay? And that's God's will, and that's God's best. But any time we have a president who does idiotic, crazy things, and we've had that happen in the past, and you get to the point where you really can't honor that man. You just keep on honoring him because of the office that he stands in. And so that's what this fear is talking about. It's not talking about you fearing your husband. I don't think that we, I know we're not supposed to be um, having husbands who we're afraid they're going to backhand us or we're afraid they're going to uh, be angry at us and blow up and because we dented the car or because we spent $10 that week. And, and if you do that, husbands, then you're wrong and you need to do some praying and change it. But uh, uh, hallelujah, praise God. God, but there's to be a there's to be a awe or a reverence for the office that he stands in because it wasn't his choice to be a man, it wasn't his choice that to be the head. But the Bible had God figured that out before the foundations of the earth, before He created Adam and Eve, and that's how it is. Whether we like it or not, whether we think that's how it ought to be or not, that's the Bible plan is for the husband to stand in the office as the head of the family. And you know, some men stand there with a greater grace and a greater it's a greater blessing than other men, but we still have a reverence for that office. So in other words, uh, when, we, when we come against our husbands, we do it with fear. If, you know, uh, I know I have one friend and her husband was not good to her at all. I mean, he was, um, I mean, he didn't beat her, but he was uncaring. And every time she would 
go to say something, the Lord would say, touch not mine anointing. Well, now this man wasn't a minister or anything, but it goes back to that office he stands in. And I know you women are not liking that your husbands are hearing this, really. <laughs> we should have done this privately. Hallelujah. But anyway, uh, and you men, uh, it'd be wise if you didn't take this and use it as a hammer. You know, <laughs> but anyway... Um, Praise God. You know, there is a, there is a truth to that, that, that that office is anointed, and there's a, way, there's a way to get your way. And there's a way to approach anybody in authority and, the, and, and to, to turn them or to change them. And that's something you need to learn when approaching your boss or when approaching your husband and when approaching, when kids approach their parents. It's not wrong for kids to approach their parents and even say, uh, you know, can you reconsider this or can you pray about this mom or something? But there's a way to do it and the way is not to show disrespect and it's not to fight the parents. Hallelujah. Amen. And so there's a way. There's a way to approach our president and then there's a way not to approach. There's a way to approach the king. Uh, uh, you know, Queen Esther had to learn how to approach him Hallelujah. And there's ways. And wives are supposed to be smart like Queen Esther is. And you were supposed to know, you know, you're supposed to know how to wrap him around your little finger and get what you need and want. Hallelujah. Praise God. Not by manipulation. Not by ma manipulating. You know, uh, the Lord got on to me for manipulating my husband because I used to try to manipulate him to let, let's go out to eat tonight. <laughs> and I would like, oh, I'm so tired. And I would do that just trying to get him to suggest it. And the Lord got on to me one day and he said, Debbie, if you want to go out to eat, say, Michael, let's go out to eat. And if he says no, live with it. And if he says yes, rejoice. <laughs> Hallelujah. But, um, you know, there's a way. You, you, you never want to use the way of manipulation. Okay, so... Uh, <clears throat> So we, we honor this office, and if our husband doesn't want us to do something, and you can tell he doesn't want, to, want you to, even though maybe he didn't say it out, out loud, then you should be respectful to the point of fear of that. And, and not that you're fearing him, but actually you're fearing God. In other words, you're fearing, if my husband doesn't want me to do something, I would fear getting out of the will of God and being vulnerable and not being totally in the protection I need because I'm going against what my husband desires and what I, and even what I know the word says. And so that's where the fear comes in. And you know, you can't be tearing your husband down all the time and be right with God. And you say, well, we never would do that. But I, when I go out in the world to the beauty shop or to the, you know, get your nails done, I, I hear women all the time beating their head in out of their husband. And that is just not, that is totally not smart. For one thing, you get what you say. Whatsoever you say, you're going to have. And so you're just creating and you're making the problem bigger by talking about it. But secondly, you're in a very dangerous place uh, with God because you're touching His anointed. And uh, the Bible says a, a, a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. And so many women are tearing their own house down and we don't want to be those. And so the second thing that the church does uh, the that the church let me say that that the church does for Christ I have to get this untangled is the church 
adores Christ. We sing, oh, come let us adore him and stuff. And uh, who has the Amplified Bible? I don't Okay, let me, 1 Peter 3, 2, if you'll turn there. Now, so, so the wife is to adore her husband. And even Eric, when he was uh, believing, I, I think he was believing for his mate and to find the right one. One time I told him, I said, you find a girl that adores you. And I didn't know, I, I, you know, I didn't know really then how much I was speaking the scripture to him. But I, I tell you what, I believe he found one. I think Anita adores him. So <laughs> praise God. And I tell you what, I adore pastor. I even tell him sometimes, I adore the ground you walk on. Hallelujah. Huh. And sometimes I just get real corny and saying, I, 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 I a wonder you too. <laughs> Uh, some of you couldn't even catch that. <laughs> Hallelujah. I realize corny jokes sometimes are kind of hard to catch. So 1 Peter 3, 2 says, it's talking about, it's talking like what manner you married women. This is one. Be submissive to your own husbands. Subordinate yourselves as being secondary to and dependent on them. Some of you need to be dependent. You're way too independent. Hallelujah. And adapt yourselves to them. So wives are to adapt to the husband. Not husband, now you adapt to the way I want it and the way I like it. No, we adapt ourselves to them so that even if any do not obey... Oh, the Lord's convicting me right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Over light bulbs. <laughs> Pastor's got this thing that we need to start using fluorescent lights bulbs. And I'm like, they're ugly. I want and decorators like incandescent lights. And, and so the other day he brought it up again. And I said, don't even talk to me about fluorescent lighting until there is nothing else in this world to buy. And I told him, I'm fixing to start stocking up on incandescent lights. <laughs> no. So, okay, adapt, Debbie. Hallelujah. Adapt or, um, or get that little thing out where you, uh, you, you wrap them around your little finger and get, you know, one, I gotta do one or the other. <laughs> so adapt yourselves to them so that even if, the, if any do not obey the word of God, they may be won over, not by discussion. All oh, wives need to discuss far less, but by the godly lives of their wives. And then listen to this now. When they observe the pure and modest way in which you conduct yourselves, I tell you, Christian women are to be modest. And that'll do more to wit, not modest at home in the bedroom, modest out in front of everybody else. Uh, and Pastor always says, if you're showing it, you're sharing it. And, not, and the husbands don't want to share. Uh, hallelujah. Modest ways in which you conduct yourselves together with your reverence for your husband. You are to feel for him all that that reverence includes to respect, defer to, rever him, to honor, esteem, appreciate, prize, and in the human sense, to adore him. That means you don't adore him like you adore Christ, but you adore him. That is to admire, praise, be devoted to, deeply love, and enjoy your husband. Hallelujah. Praise God. So adoring, reverences, deeply loving, enjoying him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. And hopefully we're going to get to some things tonight that will help you do that. Then number three, the church always wants to spend time, time with Christ. We should. If we don't ever want to spend time with Christ, there's something wrong with our, our 
our our relationship with Christ. And if we don't want to spend time with our husbands, there's something wrong that needs to be fixed. And number four, the church submits to Christ willingly, or that's the ideal. We're supposed to want to submit to Christ. And we don't do it browbeaten because we have to, but we do it willingly. The church always wants to bless Christ. That's why we give offerings. If we, we give offerings because we want to bless. We serve because we want to bless Christ. And we aren't to do it to be seen of men. We're to do it because we want to bless Him. And the wife should want to bless her husband. Want to look for ways to bless him. Maybe, you know, say, well, I'm going to cook his favorite meal. Or I'm going to make the sweet tea just like he likes it. Or I'm going to, uh, you know... I'm going to do things that will bless him. My husband says it blesses him that I keep the laundry done. Hallelujah. So, you know, some men don't take a lot to bless them. He just likes to have drawers and uh, <laughs> hallelujah. Or at our house, we call them droodles. <laughs> That's because Colin couldn't say drawers when he was little and he called them droodles. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he likes clean droodles and clean socks. Okay. Praise God. Moving right along. Number six, uh, the church uh, is always speaks highly of Christ, doesn't tear it down or speak ugly. And so we should always want to speak highly of our husband and not tear them down or speak ugly. Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, in counseling, you might not say, well, you know, this is what happens. But you're not just always going around telling everybody on the phone. You're not calling your mother. Don't ever, I just personally believe, I've never told my mother, if, she, if Michael Billings has a fault, my mother doesn't know it. And I wouldn't tell his mother, his mother doesn't know it either. I mean, she probably knows it because she raised him, but she don't know it because I told her, you know. And so uh, we always speak highly of them and don't tear them down. Number seven, uh, uh, the church is not to put anyone else or anything before Christ. And so the wife never puts anyone else or anything, including their children, above their husband. Only, only Jesus is ahead of your husband. And so, and, and boy, now we could just stay for years on that topic because I would say that there is a good percentage of women that put their, their, their children above their husband. I think that's symptomatic of the breakdown of marriage in our society because we go, well, you know, these children, they're mine forever. After all, they're blood, but he's just, you know, He's, he's dispensable. I mean, I may have a new one in three or four years or whatever. And so we have that attitude in our society that's permeated us. And so we have people even in the church that, that really esteem and love their kids more than they do, uh, more than they do their husband. I know Jimmy Evans, remember the DVDs that we saw last year? Well, he is an expert on marriage, and I would just encourage you to get anything you can of his and listen to it, or go on the internet and listen to it, or record it off the television because he preaches on the television. But he's the expert in, to me in the body of Christ on marriage, and I'm sure there's others, but I've never heard anybody as good as him. And he had a woman on one of his programs that wrote into him, and she said, I've got three children. We have a good marriage. Uh, I have, uh, uh, I homeschool our three children. And she said, and uh, she said, my husband works and he's very good when he comes in from work to help around the house and to help with the kids. But she said, with three kids and the housework and homeschooling, I just don't have any energy for intimacy 
when at, when it comes nighttime. And you would be shocked what Jimmy Evans said, but Jimmy Evans told her, if you can't do both, send the kids to public school. Because the marriage and the intimacy of the marriage comes before everything else. He said, kids come and kids go, but the marriage is forever. That's how God intended it to be. And so we don't put anyone else or anything else before Christ, before Christ, and we don't put anyone or anything else before our husbands' wives. Number eight, the church always serves Christ willingly and without demand or complaint. And so that's how we uh, are as wives. We serve Christ. Uh, we serve our husbands willingly, and we do that with... Now, that doesn't mean that you necessarily wait on him hand and foot. I personally believe that if you'll start off right when you're first married and get them a little trained, you won't have to wait on them hand and foot. And, you know, I just appreciate my mother-in-law because she didn't wait on her son's hand and foot. And, boy, she taught them to work. They couldn't go to school in the morning till the bathroom was cleaned, the bed was made. Uh, she was a drill sergeant. She really was. They were Air Force, and, boy, she acted like she was just one of the military uh, officers, and she had those boys. And so, you know, I've never had the problem where a pastor throws his clothes in the floor or, or uh, doesn't pick up after himself. I've just never had that problem, so I can't identify with it, except that uh, uh, my daddy is now the world's worst. He comes in from the bank and takes his suit off and throws it on the ground. And his tie and Rita's supposed to, or Luke as he calls her, is supposed to hang it up. And uh, so he comes from a different generation and a different school of thought. But uh, <clears throat> we are to serve them willingly and without demand. In other words, we don't demand something in return and without complaint. And, you know, whatever level y'all can find to be happy at, that's the level, you know, that you should serve him. But if you're not serving him in any area, you need to serve him. Amen. Praise God. So now uh, I want us to look at, we finished that part. Um, I want us to look at some marriage keys. I told you that we were not going to spend the whole time just talking about the foundational scriptures of marriage, but we're going to give some just some practical things now and some practical keys that will help you right now today in marriage. And so um, to get started in that, um, one of the major conflicts between the world system, you know, the world system is controlled by the devil, and the Christian is that the world is always trying to throw us out of balance. The world, the world system is always pulling us out of balance. And so having wisdom about balance will really help your marriage, and it's one of the things that will help it really fast and will help your marriage immediately. To be out of balance means to put too much emphasis on one thing. And the enemy in marriage tries to get us majoring on minors. And I know that those of us have been married a long time. We can look back and see this. And those of you maybe that have not been married so long, you may be still uh, tempted to major on the minors. Um, I was watching an episode uh, we, uh, not this week, but the week before, I, I like to watch that show, John and Kate Plus Eight. For those of you that don't know what it is, it's on the Learning Channel, and it comes on on Monday night, and it's a family, a wife and husband, John and Kate, and they have two little girls that are twins, and then they have 
uh, is it sextuplets? It's six of them anyway. Sextuplets, which is three boys and three girls. And one of them's, uh, uh, one of them's named Colin, and I always think that's so cute. Hallelujah. And they, they even spell it like him. And, uh, <clears throat> But it's really interesting, and the and TLC is at their house like about three days, three to four days every week, just filming, and they film it really like it really is, and then they make up uh, programs from it. Well, they just got a brand new house. Oh, it's not brand new. It was a it was previously lived in, but it's new for them, and it's really big, and they really needed that house. Uh, and so, talking about majoring on the minors, but in this episode, now they're Christians, and they go to the Assembly of God Church somewhere near them, because that's been on an episode before is how I know. And even though they don't talk a lot about their Christian faith, you can see it there uh, in their in their show. It's kind of entertaining. It's kind of noisy because it's kind of a noisy show because you got six kids crying. And this Monday night, they were all, all six of them were, and Pastor said, I just got to go to my office. I can't take this. I mean, he was just tired of squalling kids because even though they're four years old now and they've been, on, they've been doing this since they were little, well, they, uh, boy, they can, they can, they can have meltdown and it can be pretty chaotic. But I still find it interesting for some reason. But anyway, so on this particular episode, a week and a half ago, they're, of course, doing some things on this house, and they're still trying to unpack, and there's not any furniture, and the kids are running wild just through the house, and it's multi-level, and they're having three levels, I think. They're having to get used to that. They can't even find the kids anymore. They don't know where they're at. This house is so big. And uh, anyway, so John had gone to the hardware store, and he bought a faucet. And so she said, did anybody see this but me? Okay, Anita saw it. Okay, so he bought a faucet. Well, she asked him, where's the receipt? Well, he couldn't find it. Well, she, the meltdown began to happen when he couldn't find the receipt. And did you use a coupon? And no, I didn't use a coupon. She went ballistic. And I don't, I'm not exaggerating. She, she was ballistic where I, we don't buy anything without a coupon. Oh, I mean, she was just like, and uh, it was just unreal. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm saying, lady, TLC, I don't know what you're, they're paying you for this, but it's a lot because neither one of you have jobs. This is all you do now. They've come to that point where this is all they do and they have book contracts and they have interviews. They've been on Oprah. They've been on Good Morning America. They've been on all of them. And uh, so that's all y'all do is this and parent these kids. Y'all just got a new house. You've got vans. And I don't know if they pay you a lot of money, but they take you to the Caribbean on vacation just so they can film it. They take you to ski resorts so they can film it. They take you to New York City free of charge. And your kids have all these experiences for free because TLC is involved in y'all's life. And I know it's a lot of trouble having a film crew there every day. You know, and she has rules, boy, for that film crew. They have to take their shoes off. They have all, or put on those little surgical things. I mean, she has rules and she is very, very organized. And John is real laid back. He is just, he's like Barry kind of, he's just so easy going, so laid back and everything. Well, she is just, and this was went on for 10 or 15 minutes on the program that she is just 
ranting and raving and ballistic over a $20 coupon. And he's saying, well, we can take the receipt back to the store and take the coupon and they'll refund the money. And, you know, but before the show was over, she said, she actually said these words. She said, that infuriated me. And I'm like, there are a lot of things in marriage to get infuriated over. If you see lipstick on his collar, you ought to get infuriated. If you smell perfume on him, get infuriated. But he didn't use a $20 coupon. And so I was just meditating on these things and thinking about how the enemy tries to throw us off balance and tries to get us to major on something. Now, she'll probably get a ton of emails. I'm actually thinking about emailing her myself. It's just like, get real, you know. And she'll probably get a ton of emails over this little breakdown that she had on national television. But um, that's what the enemy does to us in our marriages. And I know in, it's looking at me and Pastor's marriage that all uh, when we've had the biggest things in our marriage, like a you know, it was over minor things. It was over, it's like, I, I can't, you know, they're so minor that I can't even think of any things that we have ever fought over or we've ever been mad at each other over. So these are the things that frustrate good marriages is when we major on the minors. And as I thought about John and Kate, I thought about Kate, I thought, you know, there's, you know, that came out of fear. That had to be in, rooted in a fear of lack. Because, you know, you could, I guarantee you they got enough money from this TLC that she could go in the bathroom and for about 30 minutes she could flush $20 bills just one at a time down the toilet and it wouldn't hurt anything. I mean, really, it wouldn't change a lot about their life. And not that you would ever want to do that, but we still need to get in balance. And sometimes we can get so upset over $20 or we can get so upset because they spilt milk or because they dripped in the kitchen floor. or uh, And, you know, Pastor used to say in our younger days, he used to say, I can always tell when you cleaned house that day because I would meet him at the door, you know. Of course, he was a farmer and he was really dirty in those days. And I'd make him go around to the backyard at lunch and strip I'm telling you he stripped to his underwear before he could come in the house and eat lunch <laughs> but he had red mud all over him now don't get don't yeah hallelujah he did he had red mud and sand if he'd have sat down at the table it'd been everywhere and so he had to strip out the, and then when he got through eating he went out back under back out the back door and put all his clothes back on and went back to work it was this muddy that you had to take a hose and wash his jeans off in the backyard before you could put them in the washing machine that's how muddy the red mud was and so <laughs> hallelujah but we have to be sure that and you know I still would probably make him do that I think that was pretty important but anyway we still have to make sure that we are not making mountains out of molehills and focusing on things that get us completely and totally out of balance the Bible says that it's the little foxes that spoil the vine in Song of Solomon 2:15. take us the foxes the little foxes that spoil the vines for our vines have tender grapes and you know marriages are tender and so we need to be careful that we're not you know if I was there's no way John's not embarrassed in front of all of America but over a $20 bill and so we we, we have to watch those things and if we're not careful marriage can become a power struggle 
Um, and you know what? If we're going way too far on something and we're completely out of balance, our spouse knows it. And you know what? Our kids know it. And you know what? Everybody else knows it too. I guarantee you, anybody that watched that episode of John and Kate Plus 8 said, she's wrong. She's out of balance. That's way, 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 way too much emotion over a coupon. You know? And so a lot of times... We just got to recognize everybody knows it but us. We might as well just settle down and let God, and we need to let God shows us, show us. So, you know, there's this power struggle sometimes of who's right, who's going to win, who gets to decide, decide, who gets to say, who's going to be in control. And we need to eliminate the power struggle in our marriage by submitting to the Word of God. And, and, and if we both submit to the Word of God, there won't be a power struggle. But there will be if we don't submit to the Word of God. Did you know if we don't submit to the Word of God, you may think it's your husband that's pulling against you, but it will be God that is pulling against you. And if the husband doesn't submit to the Word of God and do what it says concerning loving his wife as Christ loved the church, he may think, well, my wife is just pulling against me. She's rebellious. But it'll be God that is pulling against you. He will be opposing you because he opposes the proud and he'll be pulling against you because he wants you to change. Hallelujah. So, you know, there's a time that wives need to take a stand. There's a time for the husband to take a stand. And the time to take a stand is for righteousness, not over coupons, not over uh, water dripped in the floor, not over he left uh, the toilet seat up, not over he put the paper of the toilet paper on the wrong way, not over he squeezes the toothpaste thing in the middle and I want it rolled up very carefully you know from the bottom and all that we solved those kind of things a long time ago he has a tube of toothpaste I have a tube of toothpaste you know we don't share hairspray we don't share nothing uh, hallelujah we, we we don't we don't share and so there's a ways there's there's smart things to do like that uh, we don't okay we might share some things but not we don't share toothpaste hallelujah he he has his own hair gel you know you might not realize that he has a specific kind of hair gel and everything okay hallelujah so the time to take a stand let's get let's regroup here the time to take a stand is for righteousness when when the husband says to the wife you're not going to church then you have a right in god to take a stand you don't have to submit to that ephesians 5 22 says wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the lord that's not that's not the lord that's not god that's not his way that's not his plan that's not the commandment the commandment says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together so when the husband goes that far then then the wife she has to take a stand for righteousness when the husband says no these kids aren't going to church your answer is bless god they are too because I'm not raising my kids heathen and they're going in, in Jesus name. And you know, just stand up and believe God to, to, uh, to back you up. <laughs> Hallelujah. But, um, if pastor told me, had told me my, my kids weren't going to church, I'd have moved out before I'd have kept my kids out of church. Now, and that's how strong I feel about we're going to do what's right in this family. And, um, so, like I said, the little foxes. So, these things come down many times to who is going to change in the marriage. So, who is going to change? 
And you know, all of us want, I know how I want it. I wanted pastor to change. And I usually still want him to change. And I know how you want it. You want your husband to change. And I know how your husband wants it. He wants you to change. Amen. But I tell you who's going to change. It's you are. Because you're the only one that you have any say-so on where change is concerned. And you know what? If you'll determine that you're going to be the one to change and that you're going to quit trying to change your spouse, you're going to get happier right now. Because when you try to change your spouse, it's like butting your head up against that wall. It's not going to happen and it's not going to do any good. And the more you try to change them, the less God can change them, the less God, less they can hear God. Um, um, and besides all that, the, you know, you will never change a person by arguing, by fighting, by strife, by yelling. You'll never change anybody by that. The Bible says the, 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 what does it say? The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And so you're not going to work things out in your marriage. You're not going to change anything. It doesn't matter how you scream at him, how you, you know, yell. It doesn't matter if you can think up punishments to, and I tell you, now I know wives that think up punishments against the husband, uh, and, uh, probably the other way around, but, I can't speak for that. I just know about wives because I know I've watched it. Um, <clears throat> so you're the ones going to have to change. And I'll tell you something that's going to really might surprise you, but change precipitates change. And so if you will change and if you will do the changing and quit trying to change them, it will force everyone else in your family to change. If you're wanting change in your home, then you change and everybody else will have to change. Now, this kind of change cannot be fake. I'm gonna, it has to be sincere change or it'll be manipulation. But if you have sincere and lasting change on your part, it will cause these systems that are working in your marriage, it will cause them to quit working. And therefore, it will bring change as a result. So you have to change if you want change to come. And sometimes we don't think about that. But if you want change in your marriage and you want him to change, then you change and he will change. And I have some examples about that. I don't know if I really want to give them. I know one thing that we had, and my, my little grandfather, now we all just love him and adore him, still do, and he's gone on to be with Jesus, and he was a wonderful man, a Baptist deacon. He said it till the day he died, I'm a bold Baptist deacon. And um, he loved God. He was a soul winner. He had so many good qualities, but I will tell you, he was a manipulator. And he manipulated his family by pouting to get what he wanted. He also manipulated by playing sick. <laughs> As other Sometimes older people are prone to do that. Um, and he would do that. Well, my dad, even to this day, he resents it. That he always, he still has a little bit of resentment for the fact that Grand Grand would uh, play sick and get my dad to do everything he wanted him to do. And my dad would just do it, even though he knew Grand Grand was faking and even though he was playing sick. But he always just fell for it. But you know, God led me to do something different. Now, he tried to manipulate me and Michael, too. 
And uh, he tried to do it by whining and pouting and playing sick to get us to do what he wanted us to do, get us to come to his house when he wanted us to. But you know what the Lord showed me to do? He said, Debbie, just quit letting it work. And so I changed, and I just, I just, the Lord somehow set me free from it. And I just started doing what I felt like the Lord was leading me to do instead of what Grand Grand was trying to demand that I did. Well, it frustrated the whole system. Because he was like frustrated because he didn't know what to do because this wasn't working. But you know what? It caused change to come. It caused change to come two ways. First of all, he quit trying to manipulate us. He freed us up. But secondly, it just freed me up. And you know, I quit feeling guilty when I didn't go when he wanted me to, when I didn't take them here when he wanted me to. Now, I did take them when I felt like I was supposed to, but I didn't do it just because you know, he got in one of his little situations. So that's an example of how me changing, he wasn't going to change. He still didn't change. He still manipulated the rest of the family. He wasn't going to change, but I changed, and it changed the whole dynamics of the whole situation. And another example, and I'm going to close with this, I really don't want to share with this with y'all. And the reason I don't want to share it is because I've never told this. This is a well-kept secret. Pastor does not know this. He know, when, when we were dating, and we started dating in 1969, and I was a sophomore in high school, he was a junior. And uh, so he then went to college when I was a senior. And when he went to college, right before he went, now we were going steady, as you'd call it. I had his senior ring. and But he, he said, and we agreed, that we were going to break up. And he was going to go to college, and he was going to date, and I was going to date. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so he did. And he dated Stephanie, and she was an atheist. That would have made a good pastor's wife. And he... <laughs> Hallelujah. He dated Marilyn. She was Church of Christ. That would have made a great pastor's wife. Get under that legalism. Hallelujah. And that bondage. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm, but anyway, so this rocked on this rocked on a ways. This went on a while like this. And uh, but I knew I guess I knew I wanted to marry him from the time we started dating. I mean, I knew he was the one for me. And it wasn't because, let me tell you something, he is very handsome man, but in his high school years wasn't his handsomest year, so it wasn't good look. I mean, I just knew. I'll tell you what, I knew. But it, and, and uh, <laughs> So I've never told this. Oh, I'm so I don't want to give my secret away. This is being hard on me because this is a secret. And uh, so anyway, he knows part of it, but he doesn't know the actual thing. So... He's rocking along, and, you know, I'm thinking, okay, enough of this dating. You know, get back over here. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. And so we got the youth director at the Baptist Church in Seagraves, and his name was Ralph, and I don't remember his last name or nothing. Huh? Ralph Johnson, Pastor even remembers. Okay, so Ralph, I guess he just figured it out because I didn't tell him that I was in love with this man. And so he said, Debbie... If you want him, I'll tell you how to get him. He did. Boy, that's what you good youth director's for, isn't it? <laughs> and so, uh, so see, now, Pastor knows all this, but he doesn't know what Ralph told me to this day. I've been married to him, I, but I've been married 35 years to him, so it's time he knew. <laughs> I guess, because I felt like I was going to post to share it. Well, anyway, Ralph said, 
you need to change. And he said, and not in a manipulative sort of way, in a very sincere way, and he stressed that. He said, you know, next time he comes home, just don't sit quite as close as you used to sit next to him. Now, he had that, you know, that uh, red Impala that the bucket seats, me and him both fit in one seat. And we'd get in those, that bucket seats together, sitting in that, you know, they were this wide. And we were pretty narrow, too. He weighed 125 pounds, and he's this height. He was a bone, I'm telling you. He was skinny, skinny. And I weighed about the same at that time, so we could fit in that seat. And uh, anyway, and uh, he said, uh, don't, and, and I don't know what you think about all this. You may have told your kids, don't ever kiss a boy. But he said, now, when he kisses you, make it kind of just not quite so enthusiastic just a little cool just a little not not cold don't be cold you'll push him too far away but just a little backed off you know that's why he said debbie you change and if you change he'll change and so i began to do this and boy it wasn't the first date that we had and i sat just a little further over and when he kissed me it was just a little cool it was just not quite, so, it didn't have any fire in it. It was just a little kiss, you know. Hallelujah. And uh, he said, he said, he said to me, something's different about you. What's different about you? Something's different. I'm telling you, it wasn't a week and two days. I had that senior ring on. And, and he was getting me a promise ring for Christmas. And he got me this little ring. I've still got it. It's got a diamond. You have to have a microscope to see it. <laughs> it's a little 14 karat gold ring. He bought it at Zales. And it's got a little, and it's a promise ring. And my daddy's friends used to look at it. It's like, well, what did he promise you? <laughs> and I know they, they didn't, they were like, they thought it was an engagement ring. And they thought, boy, you don't want him if that's an engagement ring. Because <laughs> that is way little. But... So Ralph told me, Ralph told me, Debbie, if you will change, he will change. And so we just got rid of Stephanie. We got rid of Marilyn. We just eliminate. And you know, I don't know what it was about pastor. Now y'all are going to find this funny, but girls chased him bad. There was one, I, the whole time we're in high school, I'm going steady with him. And there's a girl in my class that has her room papered in his pictures. He, I'm telling you, they want it. He, I don't know what they saw in him, but they all want it. There were, <laughs> there were, there were two girls. You see, he went to West Texas State a year ahead of me. And I'm still back in high school. There were two girls in his class that went to West Texas State that couldn't wait to get him up there because they was going to take him away from that Debbie Newcomb. I mean, they had well-laid plans. Hallelujah. Well, Ralph told me how to do it, and we just knocked all that in the dust and just got that senior ring back, and hallelujah. He started coming home every other weekend, and hallelujah. We got this, uh, we got this thing straightened out. But <laughs> So if you want your husband... Now, I know you, this is funny, and this is back way back when we were young, and, but it, 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 the, the principle works the same. If you want him to change or you want her to change, then you change and keep it sincere and keep it lasting don't try to manipulate him hallelujah and uh, 
you'll see change in your family. It's the same with your kids. If you start changing at your house, your kids will start changing. And some of us need to do some of that. Hallelujah. Well, it's time to go. And I can't get it back together anyway. I'm going <laughs> to... I, I let it get way too far out there. Amen. So let's stand up together. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for blessing.